Hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast. I am Michael Forrest. And I am Ivanka Meitch. And this week we are doing a podcast about money. We haven't even spoken to each other yet. <laughs> no. We were like, oh, we best press record first. Just in case we say something good. <laughs> Sally, we don't want to waste, uh, waste any conversation. It's valuable content. <laughs> so how are you, Michael? Are you better? I am. I've, I've, I've had a bit of a, yeah, I went back home for Christmas and saw my massively growing sort of like family. Um, I have two recent nieces and a nephew and all sorts of partners are involved with all of my siblings of which there are quite a few to start with and somewhere along the way I seem to have picked up something that has had me feeling very ill for quite a few days now so I'm sort of on the outside I'm on I'm recovering from that now I think I'm all right but I kept thinking I'll be fine tomorrow and then two days later it's still kind of bad um but yeah, I'm I'm sort of uh, a little bit fragile, a little bit weakened. Yeah. Um, how about you? I, I'm not <laughs> you? weakened. I'm quite well actually. I've had a. Uh, I have attacked the one of the lockwood trees <laughs> with a saw. Oh really? It's one of them. Uh, well, I didn't. I supervised the attacking of one of the lockwood trees with a saw but uh it has opened up a great deal of light to the garden but we haven't destroyed it so we're quite pleased with the results you tacked its arms yeah we made it it looks a bit more sculpted now (laughs) rather than just a tree that has been allowed to grow freely and widely it's now more of a mohican uh tree but looks good and uh, and I chose a kitchen. Well, I, we chose a kitchen yesterday. And uh, so I was reminded of our conversation about how stressful doing building work is. Because what's very stressful is committing to something that's going to cost you a few, okay. few thousand pounds. And you've got to make a choice uh, based on a few little squares and scraps of material on a thing that you're going to have to look at for at least, hopefully, the next 20 years. don't feel like I'm very I really understand money or I'm really very good with money at all um to be quite honest like I I spent I sometimes spend some time trying to get my head around around things but I think my habits are quite are quite bad maybe I'm not unusual in this but I, I sort of think um the first time I uh I really wanted something. Like I, I got a job as soon as it was possible because I wanted this computer as a kid, um, and uh, you know, so as soon as I was thirteen, I was I was started paper rounds and uh, doing that, and then 
like we some some but then um you know i saved up some money but then like to get my computer sooner there was some money was found to sort of lend me that i could then pay back to sort of have the computer sooner and i think that's formed the basis of my uh of my habits since then it's like well i know i'm gonna have the money for this so i'll just sort of like you know just go into the go into the little debt window a little bit so that I can have it sooner and use it rather than just like spend money that I definitely have now well I I think that's uh my you judging me I am judging you I'm judging you on your on your borrowing money habit I think I Mm. have certainly had the borrowing money habit uh because and part part of mine was formed so the year I went to university was the first year that you could have some form of student loan, which was quite small. So like you, I've had jobs since I was 13 or always earned my own money. I found it eliminated a lot of discussion with my father about what clothes I should be wearing if I bought them myself. <laughs> um, so, and my... I got this talk from my father quite early on on the why you should do your homework and study was that Ivanka life is harder for women you need qualifications and you need to be independent and you need to be able to earn money and your brother will always be able to dig the roads if he needs to earn money but you are not physically strong enough to do that so you need to get some qualifications was his almost verbatim discussion with me so I had this drilled into me and then when we were at university they brought out these student loan things and I worked I had a cleaning job all the way through uni every day I did three hours cleaning um and then they brought out these student loans which was something like 1200 pound or something like that and my dad was like at a very low interest rate He was like if you study electronic engineering and you can't pay back 1200 quid then you might as well not bother studying was his argument (laughs) take the money and go traveling (laughs) so every summer for three years I would (laughs) use my student loan to go traveling under the basically the you know it's kind of money I was going to have in the future and I didn't need to start paying this particular debt off until I had it uh, until I was earning the money so it seemed like Mm. very safe debt but I'm not sure how wise that advice was or not but anyway I had a lot of fun uh and that was all and then I had that whole post-uni thing of living in an overdraft I mean I don't know Mm. who didn't you know I don't know but I'm a bit more apprehensive about it all now well, you've got I did, some responsibilities as well. Uh, <laughs> I did run up. I sort of. I've never had so much debt that it was unmanageable. Hmm. But I've had enough debt that it's bothered me. So it's yeah. a good feeling that day when you're debt free. Um, but then you're like, okay, now what? Then there's this whole sort of mortgage debt versus loan debt or credit card debt or you know, there's there's different levels of debt. And mortgage debt is sort of treated as acceptable debt. Like so much, like there's so much is built on debt now, isn't it? Because, um, you know, I was, I got one of the last student grants, I think. I think I was uh, before it, before Tony Blair's did his uh, horrible, you know, you know, getting rid of, you know, grants. Um, uh, and yeah, so there's, that's now the student 
debt is just this thing that everyone has to have, like masses of. And yeah, like mortgages are this thing that everyone's supposed to get. Um, it seems like states are just routinely in horrendous debt. Um, and it's just like, how, how does it, you know, that doesn't seem right. Well, I think the new student loan debt is criminal. Yeah, <laughs> to be no, honest. absolutely. You know, it's starting just... your grown-up life... Thirty thousand pounds in debt or more is, ju- and that's just for your fees. Yeah. It's just uh, unimaginable to me. Um, I think you know these argument that it makes it, it, it doesn't make it inaccessible is just nonsense. I don't know if I could have done it if you know. I don't know if I could have done done university no. if um, if if it had been for that. Like I don't know how I no. would have done it. I don't. I mean, I I know. I think in my case, so I nearly had to pay uh, foreign uh, student fees because uh, if you are a citizen of the United Kingdom but you have not been living in the United Kingdom for at least three years, this was the rules at the time, for at least three years before you start university, you are classed as a foreign student. So I was nearly facing £10,000 a year fees uh, mm. In my case, I would have simply have postponed starting. There's no way I would have gone into. I mean, but in my case, it was the simple solution was waiting a year. I didn't want to wait a year, but I would have. Um, but mm. there was no no conversation in which it was okay to pay ten thousand pounds a year to go to uni. I was just not entertained in my house but I know if you take somebody like my husband who's the first child in his family to go to university um sort of coming from Derbyshire coal mining stock they would Mm. not his father would not have signed off on him borrowing money to go to university you know Mm. he does not borrow money he doesn't use a credit card when he uses a credit card but it gets paid off in its entirety every month doesn't use an overdraft he's very you don't spend money you haven't got type Mm. um that's been drilled into him by his um by his family so yeah you know this i think it's a uh um but yeah debt's a tricky thing chosen the easiest subject or the we jolliest haven't. we haven't no, <laughs> no. But, um, i think it's well let's, it's let's make this more jolly if you had all the money in the world <laughs> well, well let, let me tell oh. you about my uh... <laughs> what you would do if you well, had all the money in the when world. i was a kid i my plan yeah. was yeah get super famous as a rock star make millions and millions I'd... of pounds like that because that was, seemed like a yeah. realistic idea then. Um, and sometimes I think this, the, perhaps the danger of growing up in the provinces and learning things from TV has maybe skewed my expectations of reality a little bit uh, wrongly. But, you know, it's too late to worry about that now. 
Um, yeah. Anyway, so I was going to make all this money and then I was going to use that, funnel that back into nanotechnology research and like making films and stuff as well, but mainly like this basically life extending nanotech research. And then that right. was going to be my legacy as well as obviously, you know, all this kind of, but, you know, I wasn't going to get Amazing sucked into, into sort of like hedonism and all that. It was all going to go back into sort of, uh, you know, improving the human race and solving death kind of thing. And, you know, just ever, you know, my sort of adult life has been a process of slowly letting go of <laughs> those different <laughs> those different goals. But, you know, one of the reasons I, I mean, still when, you know, when you called me up and said, do you want to stop contracting and come and work at, for this billionaire, um, Mark Shuttleworth at Canonical, and make this open source thing, I was like, oh, this will be a good opportunity to learn, you know, when I'm super rich, like how to do it, like what to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's genuinely one of, the, one of the reasons that I was like, oh, well, it'll be interesting to sort of see how that works, you know, with someone who's actually doing it. Have you ever had any big sort of... I, ne I personally never had these sort of... I was thinking about it when you said that cause, because my my sister had this thing where she was going to become wealthy and once she was wealthy, then she was going to go into politics because then she wouldn't be corruptible, was her logic. Okay, right, that's... Uh... Um, I think particularly with the Bal with Balkan politics in mind. Okay. And, and I was just thinking, and I didn't know if this was somehow... I was just thinking about the fact that I've never... I've never really had this big view <laughs> since I, when I was when I was I think pre-leaving Yugoslavia I had wanted to come back to England to study um because I this is, you know I just had I wanted to come to England I wanted to be British more British again I you know growing up in the Balkans was brilliant as a kid but you know the the it, it's it's a bit different um, so I'd wanted to come back to, to the UK and that's really as far as I, I don't even I don't even know if I had any bigger dream which sounds a bit I don't know does that sound a bit sad have you ever dreamy? have you ever had that you know if I won the lottery which by the way I find one of the most upsetting depressing utterances that I hear from someone <laughs> when people. I win the lottery <laughs> I'm going to do this and that like, that's no way to look at yeah. things. I think my expectations that I'm ever going to get free money are really low. Mm. I, you know, I think that I am... Uh, what I'd like to do is, you know, that sort of basic... I'd like to have my basic income covered by some sort of unearned me, you know, like by some investment, by something, mm. so that then I could just do projects that I want to do and some of those would be certainly for profit some would be charitable some would be you know it's just that sort of I like doing projects I like doing things and often earning a living gets in the way of that so it's kind of similar mm. to what you're talking about with your music it's how do you how do you cover off your basic bills and food so that then you can do stuff that's interesting and you like doing. Yeah, that's um, and that's that's one why why I've always been sort of attracted to sort of fields where you could potentially sort of continue earning 
on just something that sort of like has, doesn't have sort of scalability problems. So I wouldn't get into yeah. sort of like a business of selling things because and because you always have to kind of keep that going and expand and bring the infrastructure. But something like music was attractive or even making apps because yeah. the idea is you just if if it did take off, you know, you it could suddenly be a huge amount of money. Um but yeah, those 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 areas are very competitive and actually the more I learn, the more the more it most of the time it it is that you get out what you put in to these things and you know the re- reality of apps and music is like the marketing is where all the money goes and if you're yeah. not marketing and spending a lot of money and time and effort on marketing of either your app or your album then you're just yeah. it's not bringing you any money in and to find something yeah. that is genuinely sort of autonomously kind of earning you money I, I don't know how if you know I, I thought that was something that I could do, but it's never something I managed to pull off. I mean, even my apps that I, I sell, I sell a few apps a day that I haven't probably touched the code of for two years at this point. And I still yeah. make, I make like, I don't know, a hundred quid a month on average um, from like doing nothing now. So it's sort of like paid for the time that I invested at my rates, I think at this point. But it's still like, if I was actually marketing and continuing development um to sort of expand it and and, and sort of grow it because it's it's, it's going to die off at some point i think it they, they yeah. don't work that well with the- iphone 10 and stuff like that but um yeah yeah the goal is royalties forever and you know be able to focus on something else but the um but i think i think there's two things in, in what you're talking about one is i I think that sales and marketing are grossly underestimated, um, both as a skill and as an activity. Um, I, th- I certainly, you know, in days of working in consultancies, rolled my eyes many times listening to salespeople selling things and, you know, having to suffer that whole, you told them it's going to take how long to build what? Are you kidding? You know, and doing all that rowing with salespeople and listening to them sort of with their patter and stuff. But slowly I've learned to respect that because I am not very good at selling. Mm. I'm not really, I think, I don't really know how to close a sale without, you know, just giving things away (laughs) like it's not my area of expertise at all and when it comes to marketing things you it just requires sales and marketing requires this persistent ongoing activity Mm. and that because I I was thinking that when you said it and then it reminded me of this TED talk I watched which was that sort of like you know in order to have a successful business you needed three skills so one was financial one was the actual thing the skill in the area the design the code the whatever and then it was so it was it was understanding money understanding the thing and then sales and marketing type stuff and the argument was that you would always you could always find two of those things in a single person but rarely rarely all three i think i've only got one of them well, he gave he gave this the example of you know even Richard Branson's book or something. Richard Branson always talks about even though he is absolutely the front figurehead of all the Virgin activities, he always in his book talks about we when we right. started Virgin when we because he didn't sit there on his own in a room and start it up. They had people with other skills around him. Um, 
Can you I remember? I believe you also had some money. I might. Um, <laughs> I will find the talk. I might. Um, yeah, just insert yeah. the name of that talk. <laughs> Ernesto Ciroli, shut up and listen. There we go. <laughs> Um, that I enjoyed we, we the way you put it. in that book title last time. <laughs> well, I just did it again. So uh, yeah. Anyway, that's... that talk was brilliant. Um, um, sponsored by TED Talks, not sponsored. By... <laughs> it's it's a perfectly good way of getting information. people like jk rowling mm. who's made a shitload of money and who deliberately makes a point of staying on shore and paying her taxes as somebody and he's quite vocal about it as somebody who has uh benefited from the welfare system in the past mm. and there's there's an interesting thing i experienced when i was doing work with the labor party is that there there is such a thing as a socialist millionaire um there are people there are and they are they are i've met a couple of them and they are uh you know like one guy grew up single in grimsby single mum uh benefited from free school meals and from free education and from all those things that come with a good welfare state uh with good socialist influences and um, but he's a very successful businessman who made a lot of money, and there are there is something uh, in some some people. I don't know how to phrase this. Without, so there's this there's this there's, there's the conflict of this kind of crowdfunding socialist democracy where everybody pays a little bit mm. and having a single wealthy donor who then is at risk of influencing. That is the that's the thing people are worried about right. is that a wealthy donor, a wealthy socialist comes along drops a load of cash and then wants to influence policy and I don't think that's necessarily true that people will automatically do that um and I don't see I don't see that being wealthy or having a successful business is in any way in conflict with socialism uh at all or socialist ideals where by socialist ideals I take that sort a sort of standard definition of community above self it's not communism where everybody shares and everybody gets an equal part of the pie regardless of how much effort they invested uh but socialism that doesn't you know where it simply says that everybody has a right to education everybody has a right to healthcare, all those all that sort of and the health of a community influences my health as an individual um so that i think there's some quite interesting uh interesting things when you come to looking at people with masses of wealth and how some of them seem to think that it's like even if you look at bill gates now and the amount of money he gives away to charity he's he started giving away a lot of money to charity or seems to have i don't Mm. know him personally (laughs) um now that he has accumulated a great deal of wealth at this point, he has now set up these trusts um, and now he gives away money to things that he deems to be important. Mm. Um, so it's not society deciding, it's 
the causes and the things that he's interested in. And it may well be that he and his wife are very sensible people and they make very sensible decisions and I haven't really heard anything to the contrary. But why... why you know, I think there's there's something a bit peculiar about opting out of paying taxes in order to give money to charity. I find that odd, and I find that somehow. <sighs> well, I mean, my first reaction, I, I know, and I know this isn't this isn't productive, but I don't know. I just having, you know, I think having worked in the public sector and seeing that, I don't know, just seeing, and. <sighs> This is very problematic. <laughs> it and, is, it um, is. Because, because, they're, because having worked in the private sector, like uh, in the public sector kind of 10, 15 years ago and been immensely frustrated with the inefficiencies and the waste and just the absolute kind of like the, 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 the kind of the stagnant kind of like stalled out bureaucracy that was that was happening there uh, but but obviously that's been perceived within the kind of corridors and now that's they've been oh well the private sector does a better job so now they've sort of privatized loads of stuff but that's got so many of its own problems but as well um that you know i i can sort of understand why someone might go okay well let's let's do this privately and try and do a you know spend the money wisely but like then you know, it's throwing the baby out with the bathwater, isn't it? And, like, is, is it possible? And you're much closer to this than I am. But, you know, my experience of it was like, how, and it comes back to this, how do we make a system that actually works instead of one that's, like, just caked layers and layers of sort of bureaucracy and, and kind of, like, things to patch problems upon problems to patch things, like these massively overcomplicated thing systems where identities are just... People don't even, you know, identity is this weird variable that, that it makes things completely open to kind of, um, wit, you know, like sort of paranoias about kind of cheating the system and uh, all, all this kind of stuff. I, I, I sort of just, I hate how, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's too big to try and solve, but I, I can sort of understand why people go, oh, well, at least, at least I can see where the money's going when it's private. And I'd oh, like to say I'm yeah. playing devil's advocate here, but I, I, maybe I'm being conservative. I don't know. I, I so I think there's a so I, I don't know. Have you ever read or followed anything that Simon Wardley's written? Who's that? He used to work with us at Canonical. Not really. And he does uh, these mapping exercises. And he and I had this conversation relatively recently about the fact that about this whole concept of waste and inefficiency in the public sector versus the private sector and he uh i don't know if he'd mind being quoted i might need to check um but he talks about the fact that based on his experience of going through and doing these mapping exercises in organizations the inefficiencies in the private sector far outweigh any inefficiencies in the public sector sort of 90 to 60 percent type thing whereas one could argue that 60 percent inefficiency is still very high but the public sector can't get away with it like the private sector can because Mm. they're being audited all the time Mm. and i don't know what uh machines are so stupendously efficient that there is no waste um 
and maybe and it's, but they, it, it might not be a waste thing even it's, it's more like where the money where does the money go in the private sector is just sort of a lot more grotesque think, you know so yeah. well i think there's that i mean and, and when we when we when you suggested that we talk about money i expected us to be talking about personal money more than mm. more than sort of organizational money but it's that same thing the word grotesque i think is quite interesting because so Compared to where I was as a, as a child financially and where I am now and where lots of people I know or, you know, thinking about the enemy, some of the things I spend money on, I think verges on the grotesque. It's like, why the hell do I need to spend that amount of money on a laptop or a projector or because I do, or a bicycle? I mean, I but I... You know, my in my own head, these things are. I buy the best I can afford for the job, and and I know I'm buying something that will get a lot of use. So I kind of calculate things on on price per use rather than initial outlay. So mm. if I'm not going to use it, I don't really. But but there's something about the word grotesque, and you look at you know the money people spend on. I know somebody who spent. 20,000 euros on a kitchen I'm like and I've just bought a pretty good decent spec kitchen with all our appliances for about 3,900 pounds and that's you know it occupies it's a four and a half meter long space do your own calculations but you know dishwasher hob mm. oven da 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 and you just think 20,000 euros what the fuck can this kitchen possibly do that is, makes it worth 20,000? That's enough to live off for a year. Do you think it's crossed the do you think it's crossed the line into sort of like status things being part well, of it like look there's marble look there's or is that even a is oh, marble yeah, better? I, you know, like um I don't know granite marble I don't know. I mean I certainly haven't gone for anything. And you know then you've got this whole and I, and there's some things like in the way we're doing up this house here we are spending extra on insulation to make the building itself more, you know, have a lower environmental impact. Is that grotesque? I don't know. But there's something the word grotesque <laughs> triggers something in me. When <laughs> it comes to money because I think some of the ways I you know pe people spending can be so wasteful to the point where I think it is it, it can be grotesque and that's not you don't have to be wealthy to do that you just have to be you know willing to spend a shed load of cash and it's like flipping the bird to all these people that can't afford stuff it's like yeah you can't afford to eat but hey look at my car Put another bread in my bread bin Got to find another way to find another bit of downside Got to find another bread to put in my bread bin There are taboos in talking about money. Um, that I, it's it's strange what they are, but also um, this idea of you know you shouldn't count other people's money. 
which I think is sort of like good advice in a way. Um, so is but is that different to when people are being kind of like flagrant with their spending to try and show you how much money they've got? Counting other people's money. Is it any of my business how much somebody else spends on something? It isn't any of my business. And I don't in any way wish to count other people's money. Uh, and I don't. But maybe I have empathy because in a different very... way. Maybe I'm being I'm being kind of empathetic to myself as a child. Mm. I I was jealous of people that had loads more pocket money or yeah. loads more clothes or you know I was a and I couldn't understand why. Uh, I don't mean I w- wouldn't say that I couldn't understand why we didn't have any. That wasn't my point. Like we had wealthy relatives who'd like give me a fiver. But what the mm. fuck? What am I going to do with a five? <laughs> I know you're minted, but then you know that's what they—that's fine. You know that's their choice to spend their money on what they want to. But my little kid's brain felt that that was unfair uh, in some way. I don't know. Yeah, right, it, know. Is un- it is. It is. It is certainly unfair. Like how I- some people have got much more money than other people, and it's also um, you know it's massively unfair. But it's also kind of fun to you know as soon as you you kind of like I I do this I type in a celebrity celebrity net worth I, I type that in every couple of weeks probably I'm like how much is because I just want to know so like so. how much is that guy worth then like I uh, I just sort of like and because it is a it's this weird sort of scorekeeping system that it's hard not to like. Be like, oh, I'm just gonna secretly, and this but is it, it, like, so, you know, yeah. I'm not proud of it. That's no, the whole taboo about talking about money, knowing what other people are earning, and again, <laughs> to sound like my father for a moment, this is how the capitalist system controls the proletariat okay. by telling us it's not okay to talk to each other about how much we're getting paid. Well, I've always known you to be someone without without qualms about like having those conversations. Um, so oh. I was like, oh, you know, is this going to be a strange <laughs> episode? Is no, about I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to throwing figures around. Broadcast my net worth to the to the or, or my lack of net worth or my day rate to the world, but, but yeah, the, this, um, yeah. but but this idea that so for example one of the reasons uh, we, so I have read a couple of books about money, particularly mm. in the context of women and money, yeah. um, but one of the reasons that women uh, continue to be underpaid is because we are told not to talk about money so I do have a gro- group of close female friends that we discuss our day rates and how to negotiate and to make sure that and we egg each other on <laughs> because frankly I've, mm. I've it's only very recently that I have been able to just coldly and cl- calmly go no that is my day rate and it's not negotiable either I co- you know that's what you pay or I don't come and do the project that's it um so uh, and it's taken and I have taken pay cuts before because I was uh, in, misguidedly believed that the the project was worth it the job was worth it mm. and the f- reality is it's so hard to build up to a salary um, that if you take a pay cut, it just takes a bloody long time to build it back up again. Mm. Um, and I think that we do need to be, uh, we you know we do need to be more aware of what we're being paid, what market rates are, yeah. what's the going rate, and there's no there's no shame at all in being aware of what your labour's worth. 
Yeah, people, you got to um, you got to like have that conversation, don't they? Everyone's got to have that yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to your friends. reading this book called uh, something I think it's called love is not enough uh, uh, by a woman whose name I can't remember Marin Somerset Webb and she talked about but it was before women about money and it talked about the things uh, things like women don't discuss investments uh, women don't discuss their salaries it discussed all these things about how much effect the pay gap can have on you over a lifetime all these kind of things and it prompted me to send an email to two or three of my female friends on a, sort of like on a circular email going right these are my investments <laughs> this is what I do with my money if you want to share please do and so you have we had a little bit of a chat about you know buy to lets and you know what what sort of mortgages we're on and all these kind of things but you know if you don't talk about these things how the hell are you going to learn um so I uh I did find I do find now that I'm more I'm just more comfortable talking about money and not accepting that because a project's cool that I should get paid less yeah I'm trying to now finish that sentence properly because <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking particularly about going to work for uh canonical I took a pay cut to go there mm. and um I don't know why I just thought it's open source it's cool I really want to do it um so I let myself be negotiated down mm. um which I actually regretted. Yeah, because you're still doing the work. You're going to work harder, if anything, aren't you? So, uh, you know, they're going to get more well, work. Really... Why should they pay you less? The weird... On the other thing about money, the other side of it, is that whilst the absence of it is crippling, uh, I'll use that word, or worrying about it can be yep. very debilitating, I don't find the presence of it motivating. no. No. If you said to me, you know, here's ten thousand, twenty thousand pounds, if we did it la 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 you're but I yeah, but is this am I gonna be embarrassed of this thing? Or am I gonna be proud of my project? That the sort of knowing that I'm doing good work is for me far more rewarding and motivating than money on its own ever could be. Yeah, like money has um, never been like if if I'm at that point in a project or in a job, like that that never even that 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 kind of like oh can we pay you X amount more that's just never even I I don't care like you can offer me whatever like if I'm on the way out I'm on the way out and it's yeah. it's not this money's not going to change it money you know I don't yeah I don't know if I'd be different now I mean I have all those. Op- 
moments in my life have been when I've been, you know, pretty footloose and fancy free, mm. um, either single or you know not not cohabiting and sharing finances because <laughs> those sort of decisions aren't mine alone anymore now. If I if if my husband or I want to storm out of a job, we actually need to talk to each other about it. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. Sort of go. You know, it's a bit more of a... And we do, on the, on that topic, we do talk about, you know, we, we talk about shared finances. We had this very grown-up conversation when we first met because uh, I moved into his house, so we agreed that I would pay half his, you know, half the bills, obviously. And he said, um, but, you know, if you live here for a year or so, then we break up, you know, the half the house isn't yours <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. And I was, like, I was like, no, but equally, me paying you rent, is stopping me from buying so what are we going to do about that mm. so you know that money got so we're like well let's save that money and then if we break up you can have that money and go and use it as a deposit <laughs> which okay. you know it's kind of a it was a very grown-up financial obviously i never i you know i did i haven't moved out <laughs> so we're cool and now I'm married so half the house is mine Excellent. Um, <laughs> so that's all been sewn up it's it's very easy to be embarrassed about money, but I think it's the more secrecy around it, the more mystical power it has. Money is a, for many people, you know, we've talked about the fact that over £50,000 a year or whatever it is doesn't really make you happy. But if you are very competitive and want to show how successful you are, money is a counterable, measurable, displayable score that says, ha ha, look (laughs) at me, I've got one billion. Ha ha ha. And... There is no other... I mean, you can't show people how happy you are. You can't go... You know, you can't talk about... It's very hard to say how much influence you have or what... You know, I think I think we need to invent a new school... A uh, new measuring system well, this is exactly, for success. There's a, there was a School of Life video on this saying kind of more oh. or less the same thing. Um, and the, the, problem with, the problem with that as well is... So money is now being kind of distorted to two purposes. Like on the one hand, it's the thing that that is needed to, you know, it's this understanding we have between each other to sort of distribute wealth and try and kind of keep things working for everyone. Um, but then it's this completely twisted, distorted, exaggerating thing where to, the meaning of it, the, like the meaning of some of these numbers is, is so sort of detached from the reality of what it could be to you know a family in real life that isn't in that that realm it's it's just a really unfortunate kind of like twisting of of what that thing is isn't it to use it for that second purpose of status and like keeping score yeah it's like a a uh, i mean nobody needs a billion pounds or dollars or any currency, you know, maybe a billion something, but you know, any reasonable currency. Um, nobody needs a billion dollars. I can't even. One of the things Marcus and I did at one point 
when we started working with Canonical, I was like, can you picture this amount of money? <laughs> <laughs> like, what does it even look like? Can you in a room? How big does the room need to be? Um, but it's like an un, unimaginable amount of money. Yeah. And I mean, even when you start talking in the thousands of pounds, even though, you know, that's kind of what you earn every month, it's like, that is, they're big numbers. <laughs> it's like, you get a hundred thousand million, a billion. It's just, you just can't. It's, it's a lot of synthesizers, I'm telling you. That's <laughs> way lot, more synthesizers than I can realistically it's a, employ. It's a <laughs> lot of organic pomegranate farm <laughs> to add to my, like my my 280 trees uh little tiny trees they asked i went to see them the other day but you know it's just a lot a lot of stuff so how do you replace that how do you go look here's everything you could ever want to buy whilst you're alive now we're going to take the rest of it but we're going to leave you with a thing that you can hold up and we'll all know that you're worth a billion that you're them. better than the person with the only 900,000 of the thing. Yeah. Or, so can we, you know, yeah. I don't know how we come up with that. That's what we need to invent. Hi, this is Michael on my own. Um, I've been editing this podcast. Uh, we realised we couldn't really record again next week, so this is going to be a two-parter. Um, so we're going to sort of do our Happy New Year stuff, because this will be coming out just as the New Year comes in, and I'm doing this on New Year's Day. But we will be back next week with part two of this money episode. So... Yes. So, um, oh, yeah. you got any uh, New Year's Eve plans and no, New no. Year's oh, resolutions? No. My uh, Our New Year's Eve plans are we've not been uh, drinking very much alcohol at all recently, so we've got a <laughs> bottle of wine that we've saved. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, we brought a couple of little individual Christmas puddings with us, so we, we've, we're going to have those. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, we'll probably go to. I used, I kind of used to get excited about New Year's Eve, but Nick's never been into it, and I've sort of <laughs> fallen to his side of the fence. Uh, so um, yes, you, you going to any party? I, I, I have been invited. I uh, well, no, we're gonna, we're just gonna chill. I think um, <laughs> we're gonna stay in. I have been invited to a sort of uh, a secret techno rave rave Whoa. i've been in, invited to a secret techno party and also to a sort of board game night uh, both of which i might yeah i'm sort of happy you know in previous years i would have gone to but this year i think i'm just happy to have a cozy night in and just uh not worry too much about uh all this we'll look out the window at some fireworks that's fine if you like the podcast you can find me at Ivanka on Twitter and Ivanka.blog. And you can find me at Michael Forrest on Twitter and MichaelForrestMusic.com. You can find us both at GrandPodcast.com and email us at hello at GrandPodcast.com. And you can support us on Patreon with GrandPodcast.com slash pledge or .com 
sledge. Um, uh, is, is this going to be? There, there's going to be flip. I promise you, t-shirts of this before the year is out. <laughs> <laughs> Just t-shirts sledge of what? and the logo. Sledge. Um, okay. Um, yeah, and please, yeah, like tweet us. Please do, and e- feel you know, email us with your thoughts. We still don't quite have the numbers to kind of get any nice iTunes podcasts analytics yet. But yeah, if you do want to find us on Apple Podcasts and give us a review, that would be great because um, that helps us get surfaced. I understand. I also put us on Stitcher, um, so we're on there now. Which um, what Stitcher? It's another thing, and I think it might be a bit more cross-platform. Um, okay. I think it might be how Android people get podcasts. I'm not sure. Um, thanks for listening, everyone, and Happy New Year. Happy 2018. <laughs> Happy 2018. Yeah.